While Roland and Vandiver and Hadaway are in the same ballpark, perhaps even the same ball game, they definitely are playing different positions. My main goal was to focus particularly upon certain military aspects of the American Civil War and to relate them more broadly to technological and managerial realities, to fit the story of the 1861-1865 conflict into the context of evolving military possibilities and necessity. The 19th century was a time of emergent military professionalism, and the Civil War experience, perhaps paradoxically, both inhibited a normal development in this country toward incorporating that ethic within the martial structure, and rendered poignant lessons that pointed to the absolute necessity of doing so thereafter. Prologue The dawn of military professionalism and an era of great technological change. The American Civil War still, after more than a century and a quarter, elicits enormous interest from a myriad of enthusiasts, ranging from scholars to casually interested students, to hobbyists and buffs, and to those who enjoy dressing in authentic costumes and using period equipment to reenact. Many of the battlefields are lovingly preserved and maintained, and they attract millions of visitors year after year. The war was fought with tremendous determination and sacrifice by a great and hugely fascinating cast of characters. The mass of the participants was literate. This was the first big war in human history in which that was so, and therefore there is an enormous body of written records of all types. Despite the North's many obvious advantages, it was not entirely impossible that the South might prevail, for the weaker side does sometimes win in war. It is useful to remember, too, that the nature of the Civil War was much molded and affected by its historical context, and, further, that some of what followed thereafter in military history was affected by what had happened in the Civil War. During the 19th century, throughout the Western world, first in Europe and subsequently in America, enormous changes occurred, and these changes had a profound impact on how warfare would be conducted. Most notable, there evolved increased division of labor. Populations also increased, continuing a trend that had commenced during the preceding century. Cities grew. Industrialism came more and more to predominate. Finally, the invention or refinement of many new machines and devices wrought a technological revolution. Three technological developments in particular had an inestimable impact on transportation and communication, and therefore also on warfare. These were the steamship, the railroad, and the electric telegraph. In 1807, the American inventor Robert Fulton produced the first commercially feasible steamboat. Subsequently, he designed 17 other steamboats, a torpedo boat, and a ferry. He also built a steam frigate, which was launched in 1815. Later, the screw propeller, the work of a Swedish engineer, John Ericsson, provided more efficient propulsion for steamboats, and also rendered war vessels less vulnerable to being disabled by damage to the large, exposed paddle wheel.
Still more protection came when iron armor was added to wooden ships. The French pioneered this innovation, commencing construction in 1857 of the Gloire, the first of a class of vessels, wooden steam-powered warships, with hulls covered by a belt of iron that was five inches thick. The British quickly followed suit, and the age of armor-clad boats had dawned. Other inventors soon applied steam power to land transportation. In 1814, the Englishman George Stevenson developed a railway locomotive, the Rocket. Within a single generation after the Battle of Waterloo, an elaborate matrix of rail lines laced both Western Europe and the Eastern United States. On May 24, 1844, the American inventor Samuel F. B. Morris sent the first telegraphic message. What hath God wrought between Washington and Baltimore? Just sixteen years later, the nation possessed transcontinental telegraph connection. From the military perspective, the most mind-boggling technological developments came in firepower. The variety, range, and accuracy of weapons vastly increased. The causes for these changes were the introduction of the percussion cap. And the invention of a bullet that made rifle-bored shoulder weapons practicable for use by all soldiers. Early rifles were regarded as sporting or hunting firearms, and not well suited to military use, except for specialty applications such as long-range sniping. The enormous and time-consuming problem of muzzle-loading a rifle with a sufficiently tight-fitting bullet was resolved during the 1840s. By two French army officers, Captains Henri Gustave Delvine and Claude Etienneier Minet, developed the hollow base, cylindro-conoidally shaped lead mini bullet, often misnomered the mini ball. The rifle would still be loaded from the muzzle, but the projectile could be slightly smaller than the rifle bore, hence easily rammed down the barrel. Upon firing. The bullet would expand, and the lead would grip tightly against the spiraled rifling grooves. Thus, a spin would be placed on the elongated bullet, and it would leave the muzzle at a higher velocity and follow a truer trajectory, traveling from three to four times farther than when fired from a smooth-bored musket. Warfare, like everything else in society, became more complex. Quite suddenly, it had become possible to convey armies rapidly to battlefields, to have them arrive less fatigued and better able to commence operations immediately, and to communicate with them easily, efficiently, and quickly. Very large forces, now with more lethal weaponry, could be maintained and kept concentrated for long periods of time, because they could be supplied rather than have to rely on foraging. The need for management. Of a higher order, forced its way into the military equation. In response, a new form of revitalized military professionalism emerged. This professionalism evolved slowly, sometimes haltingly. It took new directions, usually only after painful lessons were learned by experience. The emergence of revitalized military professionalism. Three factors further contributed to the development of military professionalism: 
These were the growth of the nation-state, the rise of democratic ideals and parties, and the existence of a single recognized source of legitimate authority over the nation-state's military forces. Putting emphasis on and rewarding good performances within the officer corps, in the countries where it came, and to be sure this occurred in various countries at vastly different moments in time, made it possible for individual merit, rather than social or political position, to be the primary prerequisite for commissioning and for promotion. Modern Military Professionalism Defined Modern military professionalism came into being when military officers became professional men, distinguished from warriors of previous ages. Pioneer students of the topic, such as the renowned Samuel P. Huntington, suggest that it was a phenomenon that commenced early and discreetly in the 19th century in Prussia. More recent scholarship, especially that of Russell F. Wigley, sheds light on an emerging military professionalism throughout the modern period of history. Similarly, students of American military professionalism previously focused almost exclusively on its full-blown manifestation late in the 19th and early in the 20th century, while the historians Roy P. Roberts and William R. Skelton have illustrated a gradual development with deep historical roots. The distinguishing characteristics of a profession are its knowledge, ability, responsibility, and corporateness. Professional knowledge, being intellectual in nature, can be preserved in writing. To possess it requires some knowledge of its history.